Good afternoon, folks. Welcome to the podcast, The Lotus Eaters. Lotus Eaters. We're a little bit sick, apart from Connor, who apparently doesn't get sick. Uh, for Friday, the 8th of December, 2023. You made it to Friday. Well done. It's a long week, at least for me. Um, but today we're going to be covering uh, how Keir Starmer has decided to convert the Labour Party into a new far-right party. Uh, why do you think that immigration affects you personally? What do you do? Live in the country or something? And how the gender-critical coalition is growing, which sounds positive, but I'm sceptical. I don't think we've got any announcements, so let's just get on with it. Why is Keir Starmer a Nazi? Oh, yeah, I want to formally, warmly welcome Keir Starmer to the Labour Party. Turns out, coming in, water's fine. Um, I'm referring to the recent rhetorical, not really policy, shift by the Labour Party, because I think the forked tongue of Mr. Anthony Blair is probably flicking in his ear, going... Tory party are very weak right now. They all hate each other. Do you want to be electable? If so, yes. Put away the crazies and hit them from the right on immigration. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously like, move to the center, move to the center. This is this is where the the votes are going to come from. Well, not, not just that. He's going full far right and saying, Rwanda plan is not deporting the criminals fast enough. So if anyone hasn't seen PMQs, which I do enjoy watching because it's a fun It's because it hasn't deported a single one yet, right? He's actually complained that you just piddled a load of money away on not getting these people out of the country. And Did you see the Conservatives have pledged another $150 million? Fun. Fun. Yeah, all of, all of our money going on that. Callum um, Expression says it all. Yeah. I'm waiting to hear what Keir Starmer said. I, I want to see it. All right. I love retardation from the Labour Party. Yep. Well, it turns out Keir Starmer's probably been listening to Eric Kaufman on migration policy. So uh, if you'd like to subscribe to the website for as little as £5 a month, um, don't do that, please, John, then you can go and watch my interview with Eric Kaufman. This one's actually free, but of course, we do appreciate a subscription so we can keep bringing in guests like this. So we spoke about the origins of Woke because he's got a brand new course over at the University of Buckingham. Uh, he spoke about migration because of his book White Shift, where he said, actually, you don't just have to only speak about the effects of migration on housing and the NHS and the welfare state. You can talk about the lack of cultural assimilation, the feeling of ethno-cultural displacement, and those are legitimate concerns that shouldn't be marginalised. I would think that Labour's almost unanimously Anglo-Saxon front bench are probably more capable to speaking to that concern for the Red Wall at this point, because they're a lot less diverse than the Tories are. It is weird that if you look at it through the lens of representation, England, uh, the, England is represented in the Labour Party. Yeah, despite Emily Thornbury, of course, years ago, tweeting out the photo of the white van and the English yeah, flag. <laughs> what, what did, she, did she caption it disgusting or something? I, I yeah, no, it's sort of vile or something. Oh, like yeah. So it was, you know, just, just disdain for your countrymen. But it's a winning platform. But it's just remarkable because they're, they're like the only English party in England. Or at least the only ones that are approximate to power, quite. Yeah. Yeah. The Dems, notwithstanding. So, Kirsten started off this week by... by... <laughs> so full of hope. I'm not hopeful <laughs> about anything. No, it's you're just like, at, yeah, least, no. at least they're majority yeah. English or something. It's like, no, bro, no, you've no, seen listen. their candidates. Listen, right. The point is that you've just jumped out of a plane and the parachute didn't pull. So you're like, right. Well, I could scream and cry. Or I could enjoy the view before we hit the ground. Okay. So I'm just going to enjoy the view as we hit the ground. Mm, Emily Thornbury. It's just well, yeah, mildly just, ironic. I don't see it. The, the, the party that most represents the ideal BMP racial makeup is the Labour Party. I just find that amusing. I don't think they do. But the front bench, the at least, vote. if you think about like baseline optics, so the red wall voters that aren't particularly plugged into politics all the time, they look at which party they feel represents them, their family's historic. There is so Nash Shah at the front. You are right about that. Yeah, well, she's... She, she and a bunch of others just stepped down from their cabinet positions because of the ceasefire votes. They've even shored up their 
English ethnic representation. But the Muslim demographic were like, well, I'm not voting for you at all. Yeah. So who else are you going to vote for? Well, who cares? They're going to, well, no, they, someone started a Muslim party. Yeah, the Muslim party of Britain. It's not gone very far yet, no, but we'll not. see. We'll see. But the point is, the Labour Party's ethnic composition is just growing more narrow. And it's just, it just amuses me. Since they're the party of diversity. And so is their rhetoric. And yes. Keir Sommer has played with fire early this week because it seems that he's pandering to who he thinks the Tory right are, but I don't think he realises that Thatcher's almost unanimously despised at this point because the Tory party had been running on a Thatcherite platform for ages, particularly despised among the Red Wall. Right. And he's turned around and actually said that Thatcher did loads of good things. This is hilarious because what he's doing is appealing to the Liz Trust demographic, whoever they are. Yeah. Um, also, I think this might be Tony Blair again, because again, nobody forget. <laughs> Undoubtedly. Thatcher did say Tony Blair was the best part of my legacy, but he wrote in the Sunday Telegraph, every moment of meaningful change in modern British politics begins with the realisation that politics must act in the service of the British people rather than dictating to them. Margaret Thatcher sought to drag Britain out of its stupor by setting loose our natural entrepreneurialism. Tony Blair reimagined a stale, outdated Labour Party into one that could seize the optimism of the late 90s. So more so that he's kissing the backside of his... Yeah, yeah, natural overlord. No, um, no. Of course, the, the Corbynites weren't delighted with this. So this was Labour MP Beth Winter. Uh, she said that the Thatcher government devastated communities with the deliberate destruction of the mining industry. Kind of true. Policies like the grossly iniquitous poll tax and great privatisation <laughs> ripoffs were the yeah. hallmarks of Thatcherism. Yeah, that, that's true, yeah. Asked what the strategy behind Sir Keir's praise for Margaret Thatcher was, one Labour MP who remained anonymous told The Independent there were no runes to read. You'd be better off the reading the entrails of a chicken <laughs> than trying to understand the strategy in Keir's office. It's just madness. Now, I don't know. I don't think that's true. I agree. I think that this is an ideologue and she doesn't understand that he's being a political pragmatist and he's taking his yeah. lead focus groups. So because she doesn't get in touch with what the voting public might want, because of course the Corbynistas already have their plan for a socialist republic of the UK all fully mapped out, and that's why they won the argument but not an election, she can't see that this is actually a smart electoral strategy. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there are lots of critiques of Thatcher, but her being anti-British isn't one of them. Yes. And her being unsuccessful is also not one of them and so Keir Starmer is trying to situate himself within that tradition which is a successful and pro-British tradition and yep. so if you're appealing to normie people and you're just like look we're going to get people working we're going to lower taxes we're going to do a lot of the stuff that Thatcher did that made Britain great during the Cold War well maybe that's a good way of harking back to that kind of nostalgia yeah he's trying to drive around the contaminated reputation of the brown camera May and then the last three yeah. prime ministers era all look like political failures and reconnect himself back to the 80s and 90s period. There's, there's, a, there's actually quite a savvy strategy. Yeah, and it's working because there are a bunch of Tory donors that are now jump shit to Keir Starmer <laughs> that are like really rich and really prominent. Really? So this is the Phones for You co-founder, John Caldwell. He's given 500000 to the Conservative Party before the 2019 election. But last Friday, on the 1st of December, he said, I've met with Keir Starmer and he's more receptive to my ideas than the Tory party. Will that mean I donate? I can't answer. But what I can tell you is that any party that makes Britain great by having the right policies, any party that does what I think will make Britain great again, I will donate to. He told the Sunday Times in September, if Rishi sticks with net zero, would I donate to the Conservative Party? Absolutely not. No chance whatsoever with the decisions that they're making at the moment. Would I switch to Labour? The answer to that is very simple. I will support a party that I believe will do the right thing for Britain going forward. Go on, Callum. Sitting there being like, maybe the Labour Party won't support net zero. I know, it's total cognitive dissonance. I, I don't understand the British elite in the slightest. There's the human individual beings you meet, and it's just like, yeah, man, I'm switching to Labour because... It's because the last thing they said is what sticks in their brain. So if Rishi Sunak comes out and says, actually, Britain is leading the way on our net zero pledges, we've got to do it in a way that makes it affordable for the people. And Keir Starmer turns around and goes, you're rubbish on migration. They'll forget that 
Keir Starmer had spoken about net zero and he'd appointed Ed Miliband as his net zero czar and all this. Was it his manifesto? Yeah, like it wasn't the Tory one. But the most pressing issue at the moment is what occupies these people's minds. So he's just, I don't know, it's like political amnesia. See, I I, I view it as more political pragmatism. I, I think that they're just like, well, who's going to be less incompetent out of the two? And it turns out on almost every issue, it's the Labour Party. Not that they don't want to do evil. It's just they won't do as much evil as the Conservatives. It's also, I think... What? Look at the migration. Yeah, I, I, I'm not hopeful in the slightest they're going to change anything. In fact, oh, no, they'll probably it's... make it worse and then normalise that. No, no, no. What they're going to do is normalise 500,000 net a year. But at least that's not like 700,000 net a year. I just I'm imagining this that being played back in three years when they've turned it to 1.3 million a year. Hey, if, if that's the if, new norm. Hey, if that's the case, I'll be like, well, I was wrong on that. Well, I thought the Labour Party would be more savvy than the Conservatives and would have some sort of more restraint over the civil service. No, no, maybe I don't. I don't we'll believe. I just find these people dull. Or it's just, I, I mean, the only thing I can think of, like you're not a stupid person to get that wealthy. You have to have just been coming at it from pragmatism, where it's like. Hey, I'll start bribing the guys who are about to come into government. Yeah, because what else are they doing exactly? I feel like they're riding the coattails of history as well. This is the same thing that we spoke about in what is the mindset that captures the elites in our contemplations on collapse. Mm-hmm. Not to bring up the specter of the WEF, but Schwab did turn around and say, right, we're fish, we're swimming with the currents of history. You want to be the big fish and the fast fish, not the small fish. So they're thinking, okay, well, if the current is moving this direction, I might as well swim with the current and be in a, a prime position, even if Starmer doesn't agree with everything that I say, to nudge and negotiate with the government that's going to get into power. I, I bet right, the, the, this will be a prediction. I don't normally make predictions so my predictions are wrong. Right? But I predict that Starmer will get net immigration down 300k a year. So that's wrong. Well, your predictions are wrong so I'm, I'm taking that as wrong. Sure, but like, we'll see in like you know, a year and a half's time. Alright. I, I, I put I, a tenner I, on it. How about that? Sure, we put a tenner on it. Uh, say, okay, 400. <laughs> if I'm going to put money yeah. on it, as soon as there's a single pound involved, yeah, you're yeah, like, ah. it's, it's a single pound. But no, no, I I do think that he will drastically reduce the net, but only because the net was so ridiculously increased <laughs> under the Tories. I mean, it'll be an easy win as well. But anyway, I think he's just lying, um, but effectively lying at least. Also, a couple of more donors. Uh, the strategy chief at Saatchi and Saatchi, who were the one behind Thatcher's "Labour isn't working" slogan in 1979, oh, yeah. uh, they said Britain needs saving from five more years of stagnation, cruelty, and despair. Targeting the Tories, of course. The former governor of the Bank of England, Mark Carney, said it was beyond time for Shadow Chancellor Rachel Reeves to run the economy. Now, this is in spite of, as you covered a while ago, Callum, Rachel Reeves copy and pasting whole sections of her own book from Wikipedia and then admitting to it about time for Labour to be in charge of the economy, said no one ever. I mean, not to give the Tories any credit when hashtag 13 years have been rubbish, but do we remember that when the Brown government left, they literally left them a post-it note saying, to the next guy, there is no money? Yeah. Well, because they were literally incompetent on every single day. I mean, the most famous and easy one is you've got Gordon Brown, a guy who I think did economics at university, and then announced he was going to sell loads of gold Uh, in five days. So the gold price went massively down and then he sold it. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I can't wait to get a house. There is no more competence to be found in this place. Nope. There was also the former donors that, that went to the Conservatives. There was the Iceland executive chair and the founder of Carpet, right? They've said that they're not, they're just not <coughs> paying it. So it, it looks like the neoliberal establishment is just swapping their rosettes because they see that Labour are probably going to win. Yeah, yeah. But just, just a quick thing here. Like, there's one thing looking at the Conservatives and being like, right, okay, they might be evil. And generally incompetent. But at least you could point to a couple like Jeremy Hunt isn't stupid, right? 
He's evil. Yeah, he's evil. Yeah, he's, he, but he's Michael not. Michael Gove is evil. Yeah, he's not stupid. He's yeah. evil. So you can at least be like, right, okay. At least if they say, right, we're going to do this thing, an evil thing. I'm like, okay, well, that's an evil thing that's going to get done. But who among the front bench of Labour do you look at and go, they're not stupid? Name one. I watched the whole conference. I can't name a single conference attendant. Yeah, name one that's not retarded. Genuinely, like, literally 105 IQ more. I think, um, what's her name? Angela Rayner would be able to launch a coup within the party, but I don't think she's <laughs> smart enough to yeah. know political optics outside the party. King of the retards. You don't know that Angela she grew up eating dog food, yeah? She said that oh. my mum was so illiterate that she used to buy me dog food growing up. I mean, I could tell by the face. <laughs> like, ironically, like they, they aren't even only evil. They're also really, really stupid. Like, yep. genuinely incompetent. Like, at least the, the Tories have got competent evil people. Okay, I'm, more, I'm so more worried about the incompetence. I'm not... I, they're both terrible, but, like, I'm genuinely worried about the incompetence. You're going to get it either I know, way. I know. <laughs> Five more years of stagnation, then, I suppose. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, no, 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 no. That would be optimistic. It's going to be... Straight down from here. Well, you know what? No, don't they want to abolish private schools? Yeah, and they oh, they want to God. they want to rapidly increase the age at which uh, early intervention childcare is staffed by fresh university graduates who mm. have no children. So that's going to create an entire generation of dispossessed kids. I tell you about when my wife on my third child got a visit from like some healthcare worker. It's some twenty five year old fresh out of university, and she's like, "Well, this is what you need to do for your children." And my wife's like, "I've got four kids, like." You know, I don't need your advice. Get out. We've seen the police too, right? A bunch of kids, but they need university degrees now, so that's what you get. Oh, um, a source of mine that I can't name, but who has worked within the Met Police fairly frequently, overheard a conversation the other day where they've again lowered the fitness requirements. So that every... <laughs> no, no, so the reason is so that every police officer can complete the... Inclusivity. Yeah, so they can complete it in their riot gear. Yeah. Right. So, so as long as you're really overweight, you then get the requirements lowered so that you can account for wearing this like, trans riot shield or whatever. On the plus side, though, you'll be able to escape the police when they start chasing you for your mean tweets. Anyway, so speaking of really naughty words said on the internet, there was Prime Minister's questions on Wednesday. This was two days ago. And this came fresh off the defeat of the Rwanda plan where Rishi Sunak, as you've already pointed out yesterday with the Freds, seems unwilling to just slash and burn all of the made-up human rights legislation that's getting in the way of deporting criminal illegals. Yeah. And also piddled away over 140 million on the Rwanda plan when they haven't taken a single person. Keir Starmer just went scorched earth and was like, why aren't they all gone already? Good question, Keir. Yeah. So um, I find this fascinating. I decided to clip this. Uh, we're just going to have to roll that back. I'm probably being unfair because he does have a plan. It's to cook up a deal with the EU that would see us accept 100,000 illegal migrants. Migration's trebled on his watch, and all he can do is make up numbers about the Labour Party. It's really pitiful. I'm not actually sure the Prime Minister can have read this thing. Article 4 says the scheme is capped at Rwanda's capacity. That's 100. Article 5 says Rwanda can turn them away if they want. Article 19 says we actually have to take refugees from Rwanda. How much did this fantastic deal cost us? Prime Minister! Madam Deputy Speaker, as the Home Secretary was crystal clear about, there is no incremental money. There is no incremental money that has been provided. This is about is ensuring 
that the concerns of the Supreme Court have all been addressed in a legally binding treaty that will allow us to operationalise the scheme. But I'm glad he raised the topic of legal migration, which I agree is absolutely far too high, Madam Deputy Speaker. That's why this week we've outlined a plan bigger than any other government before to reduce the levels of legal migration by £300. It's an incredibly comprehensive plan. So if he cares so much about it, the simple question for him is, does he support the plan? Madam Deputy Speaker, he clearly hasn't read it. Annex A, Annex A says on top, on top of the 140 million he's already showered on Rwanda, when we send people there under this treaty, we have to pay for their accommodation and their upkeep for five years. And that's not all. This morning, a government minister admitted that anyone we send to Rwanda who commits a crime can be returned to us. I'm beginning to see why the Home Secretary <laughs> says Rwanda scheme is something to do with bats, I think, wasn't it? <laughs> what, does, what does he first think attracted Mr Kagame to hundreds of millions of pounds for nothing in return? I mean, that is staggering. Yeah, whoever's whoever's mm. been prepping Keir Starmer for Prime Minister's questions must be watching the podcast The Lotus Eaters because these are all criticisms that we brought up. But also, I just can't believe how the Conservatives can get so thoroughly owned. They look the defeated. They look crushed, and they're getting reamed by Keir Starmer. Yeah, of all people, and so it's just like who looked abysmally uncharismatic last year, and now has got some rhetorical flourish. Again, I can't stand him. I think he's an absolute yeah, yeah, liar. Yeah. But he is demolishing them on their own policies. Yeah, because he can just easily outflank them from the far right. All of those are far right talking points. Yeah. You're wasting money and not actually deporting anyone. Why are they here? So they're going to get sent back and we're going to give them Rwanda money yeah. for nothing. Why are we paying to house criminals? Great question, Keir. Brilliant. Uh, if anyone was confused about his reference to bats, to the very befuddled yeah, James Cleverly. Um, James Cleverly, as soon as the Rwanda plan was defeated in the courts right before he was Home Secretary, called the plan bat excrement. Oh, well, he's right. Yeah. Um, he then went back and denied it. So this was according to Shadow Home Secretary Yvette Cooper, who leaked this to the press. And so he did the press tour. And the entire press round in the morning from BBC Breakfast and Good Morning Britain and Sky News was them just asking him, well, did you say this? And he was saying, no, I would never use these words. And it's like, well, I'd rather you just owned it and said, yeah, it was. You should have done. Yeah, because it, it was a bloody stupid plan that was never quite meant to work. Now, quick interjection. <coughs> the reason it's not meant to work, this is an old clip that was dredged up by Fraser Nelson. Uh, of Fraser Nelson by Cunley Drucker. Great account. Um, the reason it's not meant to work is because actually the Conservatives, as we know, are wedded to mass migration because they want to increase state spending as part of GDP to make it look like the GDP can go up and because birth rates are down. But everyone keeps voting for lowered migration. So the Conservative rhetorical trick, much like Keir Starmer's rhetorical trick to win the next election, is just to say that you're listening to people's concerns while never actually doing anything. Yeah. And this is a very mask-off moment, so I thought I'd just uh, play this for anyone who is in doubt as to whether or not this is what the Conservative Party is doing. And just before we go on, the Spectator is very, very, very closely tied to the Conservative <laughs> Party. Like Various members of the Conservative Party spend time as journalists or senior editors or whatever, and then go straight to the party and then go into some office. Well, I, I went to an event a couple of weeks ago that Fraser Nelson chaired that Miriam Cates put on about birth rates, and he shouted at Philip Pilkington, who's come in for an interview we're releasing soon, who did an ARC report by saying, 
2083, with current levels of migration, Britain will be 54% first generation immigrants. And Fraser Nelson said, I feel very uncomfortable when you say that. I think London's working out pretty well. We have a Buddhist Home Secretary, a Muslim Mayor of London, a Muslim First Minister of Scotland, a Hindu Prime Minister. And it's all going very well, isn't it? And completely shutting down the conversation. Going great. Yeah. Um, let's listen to Fraser. What's the, her, ex, her experience so far of her short premiership is if you go, if you persuade people that you're listening to what they have to say, that you don't reject their concerns as being bigoted or xenophobic, that if you talk in a language that is more, that is more in common with neglected voters than it is with the metropolitan fashionable elites, then that goes a long way. You don't have to come up with policies, you know, banning immigrants or anything like that. All you need to do is to basically say to people, I hear your concerns. I mean, let's look at David Cameron. He actually, I think, did, did quite a good job here as well. He was, nobody expected him to win a majority in 2015, but he did. And he had a policy of cutting immigration by two thirds. Now, he completely failed in that target, but the fact that he had that target counted for a lot because it meant people thought at least he wanted to control immigration. And there are a lot of parties in Europe right now, and governments in Europe, who wouldn't even say that they want to control it. They think that that is dark territory that they don't want to go down. Now, it's funny. But are you saying that this is only psychology, that as long as you say the right things, people will appreciate that and, and that I'm not saying results do not really matter? I'm not saying it's only psychology, but I think a large part of it is empathy rather than psychology. <laughs> it is trying to say to voters, I'm on the same wavelength as you, I understand your concerns, they are legitimate concerns. I mean, the concerns people have about immigration are all usually very, very rational. Where are these people going to live because housing is quite constrained? Who's, where are they going to go to school? What impact will they have on the labor market? Will they mean my job is going to be less well paid? What about my children? Will they struggle to find a job? You need somebody to engage in that conversation. And when you do engage in that conversation, it goes a very, very long way towards establishing trust with the electorate and taking away the idea that nobody will listen to them apart from Le Pen and people like that. Um, and this is always... So gaslight the public into containment. Yeah, the secret ingredient is lies. Yeah. Okay. So that's what the Conservative Party have been doing on their immigration <clears throat> policy for the last yeah. 13 years. I think Keir Starmer realises that and has just flipped it to say, let's pander to the idea that the Rwanda plan isn't going to work and that Labour's actually going to deal with this problem and then not deal with it. Keir Starmer's like, oh, we could lie too. It's like Tony Blair has advised him to do so. And these are the people he's going to have to lie to. I'll just finish on this because this was an article that was forwarded by our editor Rory into the chat yesterday because it deals with Swindon. So these are the prospective Labour voters. Now, Swindon has been a Conservative stronghold for yep. many years, but I think that might be changing, particularly because the demographic composition of Swindon has changed significantly as well. So I'll just read a little bit of this from BBC News. Swindon on a cold, crisp morning certainly feels a long way from Rwanda, but the town is traditionally a good barometer of public opinion. It usually votes the way the UK votes. Labour up to 2010, Conservative since. Support for leaving the EU in Swindon South was 51.7, nationally it was 51.9. It's a growing town too. The population rose by 11.6 between 2011 and 2021. A bigger portion of here now come from abroad. 23% of Swindon residents said they were born outside England. Ten years earlier, it was 16% which explains the rate at which you've seen your local high street yeah. change, Carl. So, this is the uh, editorialising from the BBC. Well, my local high street is just the main street in town. Yeah, where we go to get our lunch every day. Some of Swindon's hotels are currently housing asylum seekers. It tends to be older, cheaper hotels that get block booked. Um, I don't... a lie. That's not the case, because as you yeah. did your investigation as well. Like, we know the hotels. You walk past them. I live here, right next to them. There's a brand new Holiday Inn. It's chock-a-block full of... 
people that ride brand new bikes to work all the time. That's interesting. I stayed there once. It was £100. Glad my tax is going on that. One hotel worker tells me many of the staff have been laid off because he says the cleaning and catering arrangements are less intensive. He also says the deals done through a company contracted by the Home Office include the cost of refurbishing the hotel before it reopens to the general public, which it never bloody will. He's angered by the sense of companies profiting from the taxpayer and the plight of traumatized asylum seekers. Oh, you're so... We We walk past them every day. They do not look bloody traumatized. I'd be traumatized if I had to live in Swindon as well. But to be fair, they do just sit in Costa Coffee all day and smoking cigarettes. Yeah, until one of them stabs some kids to death. Yeah. This is a thing like I moved to Reading to get away from London. I was like, okay, Reading, the demographics are a bit strange it's as horrible. well. But you know, it's only one in three people are foreign, so that's that's not too bad. So then, you know, I'm living there for a couple of years. I started to notice there's a lot of the same problems that London has. And then just all of a sudden, some kid who was in for terrorism offenses goes to the park and stabs a bunch of gay guys to death because, you know, Allah said so. Yeah. It's just like, okay, yeah, get out of here. And now Swindon's gonna be the same place. And it's like how much further down the rail line can I really go? I mean, do we have to end up in Shuro? Uh, and well, that's it. No, no, no. You, <laughs> we went to Exeter, and uh, the same thing, you can see the seeds of it begin yeah. in Exeter. Global homogenization it's, it's, chase you to the end of the earth. It's going to be the entire country. Literally land's end. Yeah. yeah. Just all the way down the southwest, yeah. and then... Yeah, it's going to eat up the entire country. English go live in the sea, right? Just build yourself a sandcastle. So they asked a few <laughs> people that live in Swindon. So this is 60-year-old Vi- 61-year-old Vince. He owned a key Didn't ask me, business. did they? Nope. Given them some opinions. Anyway, go on. They, they wouldn't have been able to print them, let's be honest. They probably, well. So he, he's actually. <laughs> he spoke to one YouTuber from Swindon, and it's just <laughs> censored text, yeah. like just black lines. Yeah. And furthermore. <laughs> <laughs> and then. <laughs> so to be fair, Vince seems like a very patriotic Englishman. Um, yeah. He met the Queen after engraving a large artillery shell with the names of 400 British soldiers killed oh, in Afghanistan. So, yeah, he's, he, he seems like a very sensible bloke. So they asked him, what does he think of Rwanda? And he said, I think it's come to the point where we have to sort this out. You can't keep talking about something without acting on it. You have to go one way or the other, and we've gone too far with it to go back. It would show a weakness now to go back. Rwanda's not a bad place. We're not sending them to a prison. They're being looked after, on our expense, I might add. It's not a bad thing. It's just distant. He recalls an immigrant once who came in to request he remove the union flags hanging outside his shop. He said, he found my flags offensive, but I said, sorry, you'll have to get used to it. Based. Local Swindonians yeah. are now being asked to remove their national flag because okay. the newcomers are offended. Just the gall yep. of it. The gall of it. I can't get... Sorry. Go. In your own back garden. I don't blame you for being mad. You do so, no, no, that can't go on YouTube. Sorry. Yep. Up. Yep, yeah, no, no, I, don't, I can't carry so they, on. they turned to one of his customers who was also in the shop and she decided she didn't want to be named, which is surprising because she had all the current thing opinions. She's just resigned from a nursing at the local hospital saying she's concerned about immigration, but she doesn't have to blame that for the pressure on the NHS. It's not immigration. It's governments not managing budgets. But we've only got one hospital, so we know what hospital that was. <laughs> governments not managing budget. Why does the budget keep going up every year for yeah. a sub-replacement birth rate? Can't possibly fathom that. It's all that privatization. You can mm. tell she's literally just read it yeah. in a newspaper or the TV. Or the BBC, probably. And that's it. Yeah. And she asked, how much does Rwanda cost? That's our government saying to taxpayers, you're going to end up paying for all that, but they don't give us the choice. They just don't ask us. That's not right. Well, we're paying for all the migrants as is as well. We're paying for this either Lady, way. who do you think those taxes you pay go to? Yeah. The guy in front of you taking out the ATM. Well, did you know it's only immigrants paying taxes? So they asked other Swindonians. Ah. Oh. Swindonian immigrants, it turns out. be blue hair. Oh, not this woman. This woman's even worse. Um, I don't mind blue hair. Anyway, so, Cathal and Midge McCormack moved here 25 years ago. He's originally from Ireland. Ah, you're a typical immigrant, of course. They're clueless, utterly clueless, he says, when they asked about the government's immigration policy. They don't have a plan. All they do is go around shouting, stop the boats. They pay around 140 million so far for nothing. 
pretty based. Until he says, the town needs immigrants. You walk around Swindon and despite all the closed shops, I wonder if there's some kind of connection here. There's loads of vacancy notices. We need people. It's absolutely crazy. Unemployment. Oh my God. Just, many people, man. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just. Where do these people live? That's what I don't get. Yep. I, I joined the Swindon Conservatives a while back and I ran into this problem before getting kicked out mm. that I'd bring up the statistics of where I live or show them pictures and then they text me back just being like, there's no problems here. And, it's, and then I find out where their postcode is. And for some reason, it's not in Swindon. It's right on the outside. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, Swindon's grown like, what was it, 16% or something in the last 10 years? It's like, what do you mean? We need more people. We can see there are more people. Like, the traffic, the traffic is unbelievable. What do you mean, grown? Yeah, well, there's no more English people. Yeah, well, but there's no more room. Like, they're building, like, in the building next to our building, they're converting an office space into a block of flats because there's just more and more people and we need more and more places for them to live. You know, half the mall's gone for flats now. Yeah. It's mental. It's yeah. absolutely mental. It's like, but we need more people. Why? The human battery farm of the Southwest will continue. But it, honestly, the traffic is unbelievable. Anyway. Sorry. It's painful enough when you're talking about people who are in London or something and you're just like, okay, city person, mental. But like, we, we live here, so it's hard to understand how someone else who lives here could come away from it being like, man, you know what the problem is? Not enough guys well, just, so, just walking around at someone, 4 p.m. for no reason. Some, someone didn't, and the BBC decided to editorialize with, uh, Havelock Street's mobile, uh, sorry, um, it, it's not long to find suspicion on Havelock Street, even fear of outsiders and open racism. At Havelock Street's mobile phone shop, Lazin Guzel is clear about his opinion. I don't think it's right. The court said no. How can you go against the court if you're thinking about human rights? It's wrong, completely wrong. How are we going to believe in the justice system? How are we going to believe in our country? our country, if we go against justice. Lezgin is an immigrant from Turkey who moved here after getting married. It's not just the UK where he sees hostility. The racism in Turkey and the way they look at foreigners is worse than here. And in Turkey, the majority of people are Muslim, and there's Muslim people coming to Turkey, and they still complain, so this problem... Gotta get rid of those Muslims, say the Turks. Yep. It's not about saying the British people are racist or selfish. But one woman decided to express her... What was that that sentence? You'll find racism in Swindon. I know this because I found a Turk who says Turkey's racist. Yep. <laughs> that's, well, they, that's not a sentence. They, <laughs> no, 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 that is a good point. There's an example of racism. We had to import it from a foreign country. <laughs> they, they, they found a, they found a new Labour voter who who they oh, did good. say was was racist, right? Yeah. So a woman who was born in the UK but describes her origin as Irish traveller Norwegian complains that her doctor's surgery is busy with immigrants. Why is it like this? Why do I have to put up with it? I can't get a doctor's appointment. I'm an English citizen. I am an immigrant. <laughs> Being put out by all of these immigrants. Well, she says, why do I have to see an Indian doctor? I should be able to choose a female white doctor. Considering she's a woman for certain women's issues, I would agree. She says she isn't racist, but makes some unfounded claims about immigrants being responsible for a disproportionate <laughs> level like of crime. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, you ever notice how those with Irish ancestry are usually the ones who are on the far right spectrum in the well, UK? Well, did like, did uh, it say that she was a traveller? Yes. Yeah, so a, an actual gypsy. Is oh that, yeah, they are racist as hell. Yeah, yes. and but but they're it's really funny for them. Yeah, I know. Normally it's <laughs> oh racism against the gypsies. And the gypsies are like Ugh. yeah, not racist. Just don't like. I mean, it is kind of funny the gypsies are uh, turning around and saying that immigrants are responsible for a disproportionate <laughs> level of crime, and she's worried about her daughter being pestered <laughs> yeah. by foreign men. I mean, uh, what's not true? <laughs> not true. <laughs> not true. But like, what's happening? Yep. She interrupts herself as a woman passes wearing a headscarf and veil. That lady over there, that shouldn't be allowed. Absolutely not. She's only showing her eyes. I can't wear a balaclava around town, so why can she wear that? There's no difference, is there? The BBC reporter says, when I suggest that she's from an immigrant background, she turns on me, tells me angry to step away and threatens to assault me. (laughs) Not confirming the Egyptian (laughs) stereotypes. Average traveller response. Yes. Which at this point, I'm kind of uh, 
not only familiar with, but kind of in, you know, kind of. Well, look at that interaction. Yeah. Someone points out, look, this is mad. I'm not allowed to do that, but they are. And the BBC journal goes, well, she's an immigrant. Well, she gets special rights then. Yeah, I mean, I'd go ready. mental yeah. as well. I'd be like, all right, just you're gonna eight o'clock. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'll slap you. Vote Labour. Yeah. <laughs> Journalists have got to pay the toll for the things <laughs> but, they say. But fortunately, I the... can't go on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The well, local Jack the sense of that. Yeah. <laughs> the local leftist has come into to allay all of our concerns. Yeah. Even the Labour Party's. Quote, it's cruel and makes us unkind, says Caitlin Snyder, waiting for her boyfriend at the Kurdish Barbers. Reputable establishment. The fact they've made the dangerous journey all the way here says something to me, that they're willing to risk everything to give their children a better life. Oh yeah, all the children they bring with them. It's not helping anybody by sending <laughs> yeah. them back. <laughs> their children. Yeah. I mean, technically yeah. it is possession, right? <laughs> just, it's, this country is just so it's not helping them. It's not helping us here. Caitlin, a 25-year-old coffee shop worker, sums up the conflicted views of immigration that immigration provokes. My family are all Navy, RAF, military. They feel more strongly than I do, and I'm kind of the black sheep. They want closed borders. Focus on our own. And so I rounded off on that because um, even though you're looking at a woman that looks like the typical Labour voter, it turns out her closed borders RAF-loving family may be the new Labour Party. So um, welcome to the far right, I guess. Well, that used to be the position of the Labour Party. Anyway, um, I guess following on from that, uh, but how does immigration affect you personally? Show me on the door where immigration touched you. Is the question from one academic. And I thought we'd uh, address it because, I mean, have you ever met an immigrant, Callum? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. No, 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 no. This, this one academic is certain that you've never met an immigrant, even though, you know, a quarter of the country is now immigrants. Uh, it's assumed that they occupy some sort of... Uh, extra-dimensional space in England. Uh, so they are here in the numbers. They're just not here on the ground. So they're eldritch gods. No, 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 no. no. More, more, more like, um, you know, asking the sparrows, have they ever met a vole, right? It's like, look, you're technically in the same space, but like, come on, you never meet any voles on the ground. What are you talking about? You're a sparrow in the trees, right? That's how she's viewing immigration. Um, it, it begins with this post by a pollster who... Uh, this, uh, James Johnson ran uh, Downing Street polls and uh, is co-founder of a polling firm, right? And he tweeted this. He said, Look, one of the biggest fallacies in the commentary on public opinion immigration on here, Twitter, is the idea that the conservatives are raising the salience of immigration. If they didn't talk about it, people would suddenly stop caring. Now, this is a canard that's been, go- that's been on, that's been, made, uh, that's been made by the left. Ever since the days of Enoch Powell, uh, Jonathan Miller had a conversation with him a journalist called Jonathan Miller on uh, some talk show. He was like, well, look, it's the charisma of your office that's making people worried about immigration. Uh, and Powell was like, no, they come to me and say, I'm really worried about immigration and I'm not supposed to ignore them, right? Because I'm their elected representative. Anyway, he carries on. Immigration is raising the salience of immigration with huge numbers, with the deep unfairness of people coming in on small boats and with the impact of com- on communities around the UK. Distrust of the Tories on this issue is huge, and rightly so. Uh, and the only way to improve the chances of a Tory electoral recovery is to stop the votes. <laughs> if the Conservatives do not deal with it, and clearly they need a different solution, uh, they will pay the price. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And he, uh, he posts something just below that. So you can see that uh, concern about immigration peaked. People thought, okay, Brexit, got Brexit done. Eventually, when it goes down to January in 2020, you think, right, got Brexit properly done. And then immigration concern goes back up because, of course, the Tories just started raising the number of people. This is immigration mapped onto concern. So you can see where it goes down because you think 
gradually this will be over. I mean, during COVID, surely there's not hundreds of thousands coming in. Spoiler alert, there were. But um, but anyway, so this uh, got a reply from uh, a Dr. Charlotte Lydia Riley. Who is this woman? She's a woman. She's, she's not just a woman, right? Oh, well, she's an associate professor at right. the University of Southampton. I can see in her bio that she's got a book out with Penguin, which I'm sure yeah, is it's, riveting. Well, it's it's a book called Imperial Island, and uh, it's got a, a review written by Owen Jones. <coughs> so you know that it's woke. Um, but uh, but anyway, she says this. God, political scientists are woeful. Does immig- what does immigration, quote unquote, look like for the, Brit- for the British people? Really? How do they experience immigration? How do people know who is an immigrant? We've reached what is an immigrant now. I know. We've reached. How do you know? When and how, uh, sorry, when and how do British people interact with immigrants? What are those interactions like? Like That is just. All the terror attacks, maybe. (laughs) Or coming into your shop and saying, can you take down that British flag? I'm offended by it. It's reached my high street now, actually. A bunch of places have closed down. They've been replaced by coffee shop chains, or we've now got Pakistani vape shop. Polish shop, yep. another another mobile phone shop. Just like Swindon Ice Street. Yeah, and my one's normally quite a non-diverse, decent yep. area, uh, so it's kind of depressing. Yeah, um, obviously, I mean, these are really easy questions to ask, right? I mean, the first one, immigration looks like many things to the British people, and most of them not actually positive. Um, we get to see strange cultural practices, we get to experience foreign languages, and we get a sense of dispossession uh, that we didn't actually have before. Um, Swindon used to feel like my home, and now it feels like I'm in a strange alien place, like a bazaar of Baghdad, and I didn't actually move. Uh, we experience immigration as an imposition, actually. Uh, this wasn't chosen. This was actively voted against. And just at every point, we've been betrayed. And yet, because we're good and kind people, we are continually tolerant of the erosion of our country for the benefit of foreigners. And we get to pay for the privilege. Uh, and this is to say nothing of the criminal activity of any of these groups, like migrant just grooming gangs, drug running, anything. You, God, who? I don't want to go through the list. Right? We're number one in Europe and number four in the UK for crimes committed by foreign nationals. Yeah. Uh, th- God bless Albania. <laughs> uh, number three, uh, we know who is and isn't an immigrant in the same way that literally everyone identifies who is and isn't a member of their own culture. I mean, how do the immigrants know they're not British? Like they turn up and go, oh, I'm from here. I was from here all along. No, it's because we look, think, speak, and act differently. Right. The passport gate is also not a magic portal. <laughs> yeah. We speak foreign languages. We, we, they worship foreign religions. They engage in foreign customs. They use foreign languages. They, they literally think in a different pattern to us. Actually, it's really easy to distinguish who's not from a place. And we're so good at it, we do it automatically. When we hear someone speaking in a bloody Liverpudlian accent or something like that, right, you're not from here. Yeah, that's fine. You are indeed a foreigner. Get lost. <laughs> you, you know, no, no, but we are so well attuned to figuring out who is from here and who is not. We can literally do it by the very sound of their voice. This is why I said she's a woman in response to you asking me who she was, because this very much reminds me of the stupid what is a woman thing yeah. that so much of the West is occupied with. I mean, sitting around and playing that game of like, oh, I don't know what a woman is. You figure it out. And then running away. Or I don't know what an immigrant is. And then <laughs> right-wingers have to spend time doing the whole, yeah, I, yeah I know what a dictionary is. But I, th- I thought I'd do it just because I'm very good at it. <laughs> yeah, of course. But I just, it's a common tactic, I find. Yeah. They're, just, they're like, oh, what's a crowd? No idea. Anyway, I'm leaving. But you're, you're, so, you're right as well because it's it's a mandate to then outsource your judgment to an expert class that will tell you the new definition of what this is. And the expert class are the ones that are imposing mass immigration on us despite public 
opinion to the to the contrary. Generous way of describing the Tory party. I wouldn't call them an expert class, but yeah. anyway. Um, but does she offer a definition of immigrant? No, but we'll, we'll, we'll no, of course not. Oh, well, good. We'll, we'll go. So we're going to use my one, which is because, you know, that's what happens when they don't provide one themselves. Right. So when do we ever interact with immigrants? Um, all the time. Because actually they live in the country. Like they're not actually the voles on the ground and we're not the sparrows in the trees. When and how do British people interact with immigrants? I mean, like, has this woman ever left her house? I'm actually thinking now. My, my landlord, my neighbors, the people I buy food from. Uh, people who go to the toilet in the hallway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, people who work in Which the building. Which yeah. is happening. Stop making that up. Right. Like, there's not many actual places in my life where I don't interact with immigrants. Exactly. They're, they're actually everywhere because out of the. My, my family aren't immigrants. There we are. 69, <laughs> 70 million people in this country, only 44 million of them are English or Welsh. Right. So that means a quarter of this country is foreign. So it's hard to get away from them. Right. And uh, what are those interactions like? Well, often they're quite formal, actually. Uh, you'll notice that actually we've got quite standoffish because actually we don't know who they are, we don't know where they've come from. Because it's not like migrants coming from one particular place. If they were from one particular place, you'd be listen like, okay, well, they're from France or they're from Bangladesh or something. You could at least get to know something about their culture and get to know something about them. Okay, well, this is a kind of normal thing they're like. But actually, we've got the, the worst of all worlds because they're from effing everywhere. And who knows? And a lot of them don't even speak English. And so actually, those interactions are often just quite like, you know, as minimal as possible. They're at best transactional procedural, at worst antagonistic. Yes, yes. Um, but anyway, she carries on, right? You have no idea what the politics of immigration would look like without political media coverage of immigration, because those are things what constitutes most people's thinking about immigration in this country. No. So if the, if the, no, 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 no. This is amazing. This is amazing, right? If the media or the political class didn't talk about immigration, you would literally never think it and you would have no conception of it. As if it was 2008 we just shut our eyes and went la 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 la, we wouldn't notice reality changing in front of us. Honestly, it took literally decades to get to the point where the immigration conversation has been mainstream like it is. Like, I remember how difficult it was to have any kind of conversation about immigration a decade ago, right? Like, it was something that literally only a racist would bring up. Like, Nick Griffin was the guy who talked about immigration and no one else talked about it and you were wrong to talk about it. And then when Tommy Robinson finally came along, it was like, hang on a second, there is a bit of a thing with these you know, Islamic ray guns. And everyone was like, what a Nazi. You know, and, it, and, and it's just been vindicated at every point. No, there are real concerns. And that's what it was like. So the, the sort of early 2000s, if you want to know what it's like when the media and the po politics don't talk about mass immigration, when mass immigration is happening, that's what it looked like. We don't need to imagine it. We don't need to be like, oh, no one has any idea. No, we lived through it. Charlotte, you bloody liar. Right. Further your point, can we just talk about the Islamic ray guns for someone who might we, not know what Yeah, yeah, about? sure, sure. So this uh, slightly pissed guy on an EDL rally with, I think it was like a Newcastle accent, yep. went up to the media and was like, yeah, we've got to deal with um, Islamic law that they're bringing here, and we've got Islamic ray guns as well. And so there's this meme that still, even now, gets shared. It's like, oh, look at this idiot. He's talking about Islamic ray guns. He was saying Islamic rape gangs, yep. but because of his accent, even to this day, you'll get people from London, a lot of them immigrants as well, just being like, what a weirdo, what an idiot. And now we know it's a deadly, serious issue. Yes. Um, anyway, she carries on. Almost all the immigrants in this country are here on expensive visas and employment. Uh, That's not true. I mean, I'm, I can literally see that they're not. Like, I can literally walk around and see that they don't have jobs because they're in, in the middle of the bloody day, um, every single day, just hanging around. There was actually released today uh, some MP 
tweeted out the record for the last five million immigrants who came. Oh yeah, the last five years. Or I haven't whatever. seen this. I Sorry, I didn't send. Responded it over. to it on the on the fourth. It wasn't today. It was uh, oh, well, whenever. But they, he released that fifteen percent of the people who came here came here for employment. <laughs> so we're actually dealing with what is that? Eighty five percent. Yes, of people who are not employed. It was, it was, it was his last name's O'Neill. Um, oh yeah, yeah, no, I do. I did respond to it, didn't I? Um, but yeah, so that's just not true. That's that's just a lie. British people are overwhelmingly not in contact with those poor souls trying to come here on small boats. I walk where, past them to get lunch every day. Where does she think they're housed? One. Like they're literally we're paying for them to live in hotels in the middle of our cities. I see them four times a day. She, yeah, yeah, going to work, going to lunch, coming back, and then going home. Yeah. Like every single day. I recognize their faces. Like they, we go to Spoons or I see them in the cafe. I recognize the face of the guy spending my money. They are housed next to my favorite restaurant, right? Whenever I take my family there, I don't let my 14 year old or my kids run around outside. I make sure they stand with me and then we go in the restaurant because there's a bunch of migrant oh, men just hanging around, men. giving the eye. And it's like, oh, not having this. So anyway, I love this. Like she, she thinks that these, these people are just like <coughs> stored on Mount Olympus or something. Like, oh, far, they never come into contact with the British public. Yeah, that's why Lisa Nandy was like, yeah, none of them, get them out, you know? Anyway, a lot of the time when British people talk about immigrants, they also mean just people of color in the UK. Oh, my God. No, they're literally, you know, Albanians. What color are they? You know? <laughs> like, so, like, so these are people from all over, and it doesn't matter what color they are. They're just all foreigners, right? This conversation about immigration is a, is a conversation about race. There is no race of immigrants, you moron, right? You ever seen a bunch of people going around, God, I can't stand Romanians because they're brown. Yeah. Like, no one says this. What are you talking about? That's <laughs> what I was about to say. The chief complaint of Brexit was the overwhelming number of European migrants pushing down native yep. labor. Yep, yeah, and that's totally true. And the Conservatives <laughs> are like, that's a great point. We'll get non-Europeans in. That'll solve the problem. Uh, the, and discussions about numbers of migrants are descendants of Thatcher's talk of swamping. Good, let's revitalize that. Uh, when most people talk about wanting to get the number of immigrants under 100,000, they have little idea that this is about net immigration, or that includes students or whatever. No, I know. Like, yeah, yeah. It just sounds like a lot of people, but it's really a lot. Um, but it's, it isn't really a lot, sorry. So, sorry, I think you know, net 100,000 is still a lot. I'm sorry. Um, but also, a lot of people who want to talk about wanting numbers of immigrants to go down really want Britain to be less diverse. Yeah. 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 yeah but it's not the main reason I hate it. The main reason is because I want a house. Literally, we aren't building enough for the native population to have a house. Never mind all the people you let in. But no, but it's a fair. Yeah, that requires Britain to be less diverse. But once I've got true. the house, I want the area I've, I've decided to live in for the rest of my life to stay ethnically as I brought it. No, but I, I want to live in England. Even hyper- that's my that's point. What it comes to. No, but like at my age, you're looking for the house, but then there's no point in buying a house if that neighborhood becomes Indian whilst you're raising the kids. Yeah. I was going to say, though, you haven't brought where you live. Even hypothetically, if they could flat pack all the houses to accommodate all the migrants tomorrow. I would still hate it to the level yep. that I do. Yeah, of course. The world on my doorstep has changed to be unrecognizable. So it's not, it's not just that. Well, it's, I just said, like, once yeah, yeah, you yeah. get the house, you're then living in India. So what the hell? Yeah. yeah. Like, now I'm not even wanting to live here. Yeah. yeah. Um, and a lot of these people don't have much experience in living in places in Britain that are diverse. You've only been fleeing for it your, your whole life, Callum. Bro, the, the more I travel <laughs> to foreign more, places, the more you, racist I get, I'll be honest. What do you know about <laughs> diversity, Callum? You just go meet people. Like, oh, yes, we rape boys. I'm like, huh, yeah, I don't want to import you people either. <laughs> Yeah. Probably clip that bit out of YouTube too. Uh, <laughs> they literally do. Like, you know, 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 like, we have sex with boys and we think that's fine. I'm like, yeah, maybe I don't want 30,000 of you coming to the UK. Yeah. You are going to rape boys. How about 60,000? 
And then you get the other side of the, the conflict there, which rapes girls. It's like, oh, which side do you want? Uh, and she's, Sorry, but... <laughs> no, no, I, I agree. I just wanted to live... You don't meet the foreign world. And they're like, oh, yeah, our political debate is about whether you rape young boys or rape young girls. It's like, I, yeah, I'm leaving. I don't want to be here. Cancer. Utter cancer. And she finishes off with, and the questions I asked at the top of this thread are the questions that any humanity scholar working on immigration would think about immediately. And then when given this nebulous idea that British people want less immigration, what do people mean by that and why? We mean less foreigners because it's effing up our effing country. It's really that clear, Charlotte. Right? It's really that clear. Just less of them, and that's it. End of end of discussion. Probably shouldn't put that in YouTube. Oh, Cecilia, I don't I want the Taliban living next to my house. Like, I'm fine with them I in don't Afghanistan. Even care they're the Taliban. I don't want I don't want like unlimited numbers of Romanians living next to me. Uh, sure, sure, but that's Romanian not what we're I like. We legitimately import Taliban members. Yeah, I know. So. But like I just don't want like I just I just wanted to live in England, bro. That's all I wanted, you know. <laughs> so do they. I know. Now what? Well, that's really the debate. Because I remember we had this discussion yeah, before. It was yeah. like, is access to English people a right? Yes, well, apparently it is, according to Charlotte. It's a global right. Yeah. Well, that's gonna be more and more difficult. <laughs> like a good luck finding them. How many English people were born in a single year? Like half a million or something? Something like that. A million or whatever. Yeah. I looked at a chart earlier. There are twenty two million Indians born last year alone. <laughs> So how are we going to give them access? To like, I just yeah. well, we had we had more people um, claiming their pension than newborns for the last two years as well. Fantastic! Yeah, what a beautiful, beautiful system. And Charlotte doesn't recognize any of it, which I, I'm still confused as to how because I did track down where she lives, and she lives in West Ham, which is incredibly diverse. So I don't know how she doesn't notice that everyone around her does speak Urdu. It's it's. I think. She's what do you pretending. mean when you want less immigration? Do you just want less diversity? Yes, yes, yes. Everything, yes. Just get rid of it all. Like, if you've been to West Ham recently. recently. It, I, I mean, I, I must have gone in my 20s. I went there, I think, a few years ago. And we literally walked around because we were trying to find an area that is the most Muslim for a thing we were filming. <laughs> yeah. And you walk around, and you're like, good God. Yeah, this, this isn't England. So I just don't know how she lives there. And then it's like, man, people don't know what an immigrant is. Anyway, some more shisha, Mr. Hakbud. Like, I just... What is that interaction? Like, she just thinks the rest of the country is like, you know, 99% white English Lib Dem voters. That's what she thinks. I can only assume. Anyway. Are we moving on? That's fine. Yeah. I'll just press the little X on top. Right. So on to some good news, okay. maybe, I hope. Though I don't know if this will go on YouTube either. So we'll see. Uh, Liz Truss, former prime minister, shortest in history, didn't really deserve to be cooed, but heart was in the right place. She stuck her head above the parapet and tried to put forward a private member's bill as of Wednesday to ban social transition in schools and prescribing puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones and surgeries to under 18-year-olds. Now, the reason that this is important is because even after the closure of the Tavistock, they're still just doing it with absolutely no consequences. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So, so, but the front bench, totally clueless on this, even though it's kind of their jobs to keep an eye on this stuff <laughs> yeah. in the schools because... Of course it is. I think it's worth patting politicians on the back when they do something that we like, that looks after kids. So so rarely happens. Yeah, which is why we're doing this one at the tail end. If you want to learn more about the reason why this sort of legislation is necessary, please subscribe to the website for as little as £5 a month so we can keep bringing in great guests like this, which is Billboard Chris. Chris Elston, uh, this was a very emotional interview, actually, because he told some of the case stories of some of the children that's been afflicted by this. It will get to anyone. Chris is a, a gentleman. It's well worth your time 
listening to, a bit of harrowing listening. So Liz announced the intention to produce this bill, present it to the House on Twitter, and she said, this week I'll present a private member's bill to Parliament. The bill will protect single-sex spaces in law, protect children and teenagers from making irreversible decisions about their own bodies. How could the Conservative Party object to this? You are aware that there's a constituency within the Conservative Party that's still pushing the conversion therapy bill, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, there was a rhetorical question. I mean, I, I realised that. <laughs> but, you know, like, in, in any sane world, like, the Conservative Party should be like, yeah, actually, we don't think chopping off bits of kids' bodies is a good thing. Maybe we're going to outlaw that. Some of them want to. Some of them <sighs> definitely want to. I mean, from the outset, we have to sort of hem in our expectations a little bit because, of course, <laughs> this has to get the rest of the Conservative Party and the Labour vote. So even though Conservatives have a massive majority, there are still some traitors within the ranks that are obsessed with stealing the fertility from children. Frustrating, but this is uh, an infographic on exactly what the bill does that Liz tweeted out. So she said, the Health and Equality Acts Amendment Bill will bring three major changes into law, protecting single-sex spaces by amending the Equality Act to clarify the protections it affords to sex refer unambiguously to biological sex, because that wasn't the distinction that needed to be made in 2010, because at least we had a bit more sanity then. Providing clarity by preventing formal recognition by schools and the state of social transitioning by under-18s. This comes after the CAS report looked into the Tavistock Clinic and said, quote, social transitioning is not a neutral act because the overwhelming number, I think it's 98% of children that were socially transitioned, then went on and took puberty blockers, whereas if you didn't give them a social transition and a medical intervention, 70 to 90% desisted by the time that they exited their teens. So protecting kids, and banning any individual under 18 from accessing hormone treatment to treat gender dysphoria, including puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones. We have heard time and time again that this isn't happening. We will come on to now, even though after the CAS report... It's it not happening. Been... What's the problem with banning it? Well, exactly. <laughs> but even after the CAS report said don't do it, um, we're getting it en masse still as of this year, which is great news. So then Liz wrote this article May, trying to humanize it in the Daily Mail. This was the morning that it was presented. And she said that a bunch of mothers in her constituency were coming to her saying that their girls were meant to share toilets and dorm rooms on school trips with trans-identifying boys. Yep. Obviously yep. increases the risk of incidents like we saw in Lambton County happening that young girls just yep. shouldn't have to deal with. So, Sounds entirely plausible. Yep, so this was the, the right thing. Of all the, sorry to interrupt. No, no. Like, she's doing the right thing. How's she going to get shot down? <laughs> Wait and see. Yeah. So, this was the article she also linked in the initial announcement that was in The Sun. Um, the Sun say that teenagers from the age of 16 may be given hormones to help them change gender, which you can't do, but only after they've been on puberty blockers for a year. Under Miss Truss's plan, teens would not be able to access hormone treatment until they reach 18. A source said these aren't party political issues and Liz hopes for cross-party support. A government spokesperson said the NHS is consulting to restrict the prescribing of puberty blockers. They're still consulting even though the guidance said don't do it as of last year. And in June, the NHS said they were only doing it as part of clinical trials, at least NHS England. Yeah. This is still important because a Telegraph article came out about two weeks ago now that said 100 children as young as 12 have been prescribed puberty blockers since July 2022. Now, bear in mind, this results in osteoporosis, bone cancer, impaired brain development, uh, uh, even Irreversible to, permanent damage. I yeah. We could just summarize that as. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty brutal stuff. So in July 2022, NHS England agreed with Dr. Cass's report, including that hormone blockers should only be pre prescribed as part of clinical trials due to the significant uncertainty surrounding the use of the treatments. In the 12 months of July 2023, the number of children beginning puberty blockers rose to 83, double the average of the previous two years. So they're ramping it up as it's apparently nearing the tail end of their ability to do so, because it seems that some people within Tavistock and the like are just obsessed with giving these kids yeah. these things. 
This is recruiting a constituency. Yes, that's the best way to put it. It's not evidence-based. It, it's premised on a faulty premise in the first place. They just want to accelerate the rate at which they do it. The Freedom of Information requests to Leeds General Infirmary and University College London, these were the dispensaries for Tavistock, and they received referrals from, the, from GIDS, revealed at least a further 17 children started blockers between October and July of this year. So it's 100 since last summer. And then before that, 378 children were already on a course of them. So that's about 500 kids in total that since the guidance have, con have continued hormone treatment that will leave them unable to have a family. 13 years of conservative government. Yeah, they've just overseen this with zero. Bro, they issued guidance. It's like, <laughs> yeah. sorry, there's a, there's a guy robbing my house. We'll issue some guidance. Yeah. No, how about you stop the guy that you think is a criminal? Yeah, there's zero legal consequences. Yeah, but they, there's virtually zero legal consequences for robbing houses. Did you see them the other day when they tweeted out, what is it? We're a patient country, but our patience is wrong. Yeah, I know, right? I was like, God, please. <laughs> but you just think to yourself, like, it, it seems to have become the case. <laughs> the government now understands we don't run the country. Something needs to be done. And it's like, yeah, yeah maybe, maybe, maybe you should. So yeah, how many more things yeah. have to happen? But, uh, no, no, but just before we go, I want to know what the, I want to know what happens when uh, the, uh, the, the conservative uh, finally wakes. So, okay, go on. No, they issue more guidance. What yeah, yeah, strongly worded letter. Well, that's the point, isn't it? Like, what, what, you know, our patients are running thing. Oh yeah, go on. What are you gonna do? Nothing. Same with that. Um, Nothing. That post they did yesterday of the BBC presenter who flipped off the camera before realizing she was on air. Yeah. And they said, when you find out that Labour's immigration plan, even Tory MPs were going, "This is childish. This Take is it pathetic. down." Like we've ruined the country. Why yeah. are you making it look like we have the solutions? I'd be like, look, that's why we're going to get rid of the BBC. Go on. Yes. That and the license fee going up as we've just... No, no, I wouldn't even use that. I'd be like, no, look at this. That's totally indefensible. Because no one could... Like, with the license fee, they can make arguments, right? No, no, you're flipping off the public. You're being paid by the public. That's it. You're gone. Everything's gone. Whole thing. Bulldozed overnight. Right? And the, isn't that a bit of a reaction? It's like, is it? Who knows? You know, do you support that flipping off? And they'd be like, well, no. It's like, exactly. It's not. The guys working on CBBs are like, why are we being fired? <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the statue on the front of the building? Yeah, exactly. Oh. No, I, I, I would just... Any pretext would be good enough for me. In, in terms of the lack of consequences though, that you, you raised, I mean, I've, I've finished Hannah Barnes's book that's on the Tavistock stuff, and I'm going to do a big thing on Tavistock at some point. One of the most harrowing stories in there is one of their safeguarding leads. Her prior job to working at Tavistock was at a children's home in Rotherham, and she kept having to stop a specific girl from running out and meeting men. All of the staff, all the social services knew that this girl was being groomed, and they didn't do anything and stepped in. The same sort of thing basically happened at Tavistock. In both instances, has anyone suffered consequences for what's happened to kids? <sighs> no. So this is why there does need to be a bill that passes basically criminal penalties for this happening into law. Because at the moment, Tavistock, even though the guidance has changed, and they were meant to have shut earlier this year, but they've had another stay of execution till spring 2024 until they get a bunch of satellite clinics to then do the same thing in different yeah. locations. Yeah. Um, they're not suffering for doing this to 500 kids. Yeah, pretty, pretty... Pretty disturbing stuff. Patience is running thin. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so I'm really glad that, and this was to do with the sex ed guidance in schools and whether or not social transitioning should be prescribed. This was Nick Fletcher, an MP who's trying to push for a minister for men. So he's very on side with us. Mm -hmm. He was grilling Gillian Keegan over the sex education inquiry that, fortunately, this podcast has has inputted him. And Gillian Keegan, when when asked if we should prevent social transitioning, she said. All those medical interventions, puberty blockers, operations, etc., none of those can take place for children. That's all for adults. There's no sense now that children can get access. The medical intervention is for post-18 anyway. That's it. That's Sorry, just not true. Me, look, right, I know she's lying. 
I don't need to hear anything she's saying. going to allow some social transfer. I don't want to hear a word. I don't want to hear a word. I'm entirely down to body language. How many kids have you had? Four. Look, you see, when she's smirking again. Yeah, when someone's smirking like this at you, they're lying. Like a child coming to you and smiling. No, I didn't do it. Exactly. She's a liar. Right, she's absolutely lying. Look at the glee. There's genuine glee on her face. This is exciting to her. She is excited to be able to advance an agenda under this lie in his face, and he knows it's a lie. She knows it's a lie, and she knows he knows. And yet she's carrying on. This is genuine pleasure she's feeling from this. Well, we know she's lying because she told Politics Home earlier this year that she's pro-social transition. As you know, I don't need sense. any proof. I can see that she's lying. Yeah. Like, this is it. I don't need to interrogate any further. I don't need to investigate. I know you're lying straight to your room. But it's also like <laughs> the evidence is in print from yeah. her own mouth. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure it is. Yeah, she can't play hatchling on this one. She did say, though, something quite, quite useful. She said that to get rid of social transition guidance in school and any of these interventions that she says aren't happening would require a change in the equalities law. So oh. she is legitimizing Liz Truss's tactic to then use the equalities law to kick men out of women's changing rooms and stop kids from yeah, yeah. transition. So, so very good. Well done. So the bill gets its second reading on Friday the 15th of March. This is 2024. It's been supported by at least 20 other MPs. These are like the sort of new conservative types. This is Pretty Patel, um, Danny Kruger, Miriam Cates, Tom Hunt, etc. The, the last rump that are half decent in the Tory party. Yeah. And the fascinating thing is when this bill was presented, at least foreshadowed in an equalities debate with Kemi Badenoch, they were all sitting together, including Cates and Truss. So Cates being the most radical in the Tory party is nudging even the former disgruntled former PM, who sees now clips of our show across her timeline, because she follows me, which is fascinating. Um, she's nudging her in a more radical direction as the Tories are basically going to be thrown out on their backside. And the fascinating thing is this times well with a Gender Recognition Act debate that was with Kemi Badenoch, who's been moved to Minister for Women and Equalities. So the debate, the purpose of this, which was straight after PMQs, was that anyone from a nation that has self-ID can't get past British law because Britain currently doesn't have self-ID because of trust and Badenoch. Yeah. And she cited in this Kazakhstan because she said they use forced gender transition and sterilization as a form of punishment. What, in Kazakhstan? Yes. What's that got to do with us? So if you are, <laughs> basically... She you know, and made up a stand, there are bad things. <laughs> yeah, she's like... She's saying she doesn't want to legitimize the practice of basically castrating gay blokes overseas so that they yeah. can't just come to Britain and go yeah. in the I, Of course, no one recognizes the state of Kazakhstan until the British state agrees on one policy point. I know. And, uh, I, know. Like, I know. It's a, frustra it's a frustrating line of argument to <laughs> just say, actually, it's just untrue and we don't want them in school bathrooms. But, but yeah, that we're was... Just, we're just not having it. Yeah, that, was, that was the framing. So, but in Kazakhstan, actually... Like, we're not really relevant on the international stage very much at all since we've become so poor over the last 15 years. Yeah, we're not making Kazakhstan relevant by name dropping. Yeah, but we're not relevant I mean. in most places. Only <laughs> we get to double landlocked countries. I mean, how little relevance do we. Yeah. I don't know where we have less relevance except maybe Uzbekistan. <laughs> like, <I> just... <laughs> Tajikistan, maybe. Yeah. Uh, what does Turkmenistan think of this? Um, <laughs> this, is, this is also one of my frustrations with, with Badnock, which is what I said people yeah. should hold off on giving her a round of applause and saying she's the savior of the Conservative Party on because yeah, she can chew out Diane Abbott, Lobart and Kimberly Crenshaw on intersectionality. But in matters of how she frames her arguments against it, it's still within the liberal paradigm. Yeah. So she was at ARC and she was arguing that ESGs are a bad thing because they don't actually achieve equality. It was like, 
that's not why they're bad. Yeah, we'll, we'll pass this. Yeah. Yeah, thank, thank, thank you for dredging up the old paradigm. But anyway, I just wanted to highlight a few things from here before I move on to an interesting clip of okay. the kind of argument that the Labour Party are going to bring out against this. So she brought up Labour basically chasing, chasing Rosie Duffy without the party on the trans issue. Yeah. And Annalise Dodson got up and accused her of essentially transgenocide because she wasn't supporting the conversion <laughs> therapy ban bill. I don't think they should have chased her out of the Labour Party for being uh, gender critical. Ah, you're a genocide advocate. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, this is this is why Keir Starmer's positioning to try and look more moderate is incorrect because if you were trying to look more moderate, you wouldn't put Annalise Dodds on the media rounds because yeah. that mad old scarecrow is obsessed with trans and kids. She's one of the devouring mother types you were talking yeah. about, basically. Uh, so Dodds was really annoyed about it when she brought up Rosie Duffield. So she got up and had to have like a formal reprimand from the deputy speaker. She tried interrupting Kemi Badnock midway through and just not meant to do that. So this is the kind of madness that they're going against. Also, the SNP spokeswoman who was there was Kirsten Oswald. I bet she, she was saying. Uh, yeah, she, she accused Badnock of using transgender people as a political football. What, what, everything's a political football. I mean, it's, what? Scotland <laughs> literally had their government yeah. unraveled because like, they tried to pass the mad gender yeah. bill that got overruled by Parliament. Like, they're like, yeah, hey, we're holding this political football. It's transgender people. You're not allowed to use it. Screw you. You're yeah. Uh, Badnock just replied, we're making it clear, self-ID is not something the government support. We do not believe that this is something people should just declare because it creates the very same problems that we saw in Scotland. Like the Isla Bryson case with rapists going to women's prisons. Yeah, weirdly, we don't want rapists in women's prisons. Radical. Yeah. That's a genocide. Who does, though? And who says he is unsafe if rapists can't go into women's prisons? Labour MP Chris Bryant. Now, now Chris, Isn't it a genocide if rapists can't go into women's prisons? According to this gay Labour MP, yes. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna just play this clip. I'm not exaggerating. I just, honestly thought you were about to say Eddie. Yeah, I, I, said, I thought you were making a joke. Sorry. I mean, he is. He is. She is. They are running, aren't they? Again, oh, is he? Is Eddie for is another for another the Brighton? They tried to put him in a in a Muslim seat, and then he realised that's a bad idea. So now he's running in Brighton. So yeah, he'll win. Well. Possibly. I don't know. I don't. It's a Green Party stronghold. It's yeah. the only Green Party stronghold. Yeah, it, it's actually entirely possible. But they're going to have to stand down. They're not transgender, so true. But um, what's her face? Caroline is it? No. Caroline. Yeah. Yeah. Not Noakes. Noakes is the no, no, no. It's she's Philip. really, really, really mediocre looking. She's just so like normie. She looks like a drama. Lucas. Lucas. Caroline that's Lucas. it. That's Cheers, it. John. Um, yeah, she she's probably going to win it just because she's been there for forever, basically. But she does need to apologize then. Um, anyway, so uh, this was just an extraordinary exchange. So Chris Bryant. Thank you, Madam Deputy Speaker. I will say this as gently as I can. I feel... I, I feel today, as a gay man, less safe than I did three years or five years ago. Why? Sometimes because of the rhetoric that is used, including by herself, in the public debate. What? We can't, I'm afraid we're not able to have a debate. Let's have a debate. I'm, I'd be very happy to debate. I'm just making that point that many of us feel less safe today. And when people over there cheer as they just did, it chills me to the bone. It genuinely does. So I ask her two very simple questions. First of all, how many people does she think today's decision will affect? Precise number. And secondly, she will know that there are lots of people in the UK who have entered into same-sex civil partnerships and marriages, 
who would like those to be recognised in other countries around the world so that they can live their lives wherever that, that may be. What has she done since she's been in power to make sure that more countries recognise those same-sex civil partnerships and marriages? Yeah. Uh, uh, Madam Deputy Speaker, I will also speak very gently to the uh, Honourable Gentleman. He says that my rhetoric chills him to the bone. I would be really keen to hear exactly what it is I have said yeah. in this statement or previously that is so chilling. But I would tell him what chilled me. In May 2021, against official advice, I will stress that officials said you should not have this meeting. I met a young lady called Kira Bell. She was a lesbian. <laughs> she was a lesbian who told me the horrific experience that she had in the Tavistock Clinic. It was an eye-opening experience. I know that the member for Kakoldi and Cowden Beef talked about transing away the gay in his speech uh, in Westminster Hall debate. We are seeing, I would say, almost an epidemic of young gay children, young gay children being told that they are trans and being put on a medical pathway for irreversible decisions and they are regretting it. That is what I'm doing for, for, for young LGBT children. I am, making sure, I am making sure that young people do not find themselves sterilised because, they because they are being exploited by people who do not understand what these issues are. And I am saying this on the advice of clinicians. I am saying this on the advice of academics. There are clinicians from the Tavistock who have been whistleblowing, talking about what these, uh, talking about what these issues are. The honourable man tells me that he that he is traumatised. We are traumatised by what is happening to young children, and we are not going to run away from this issue any longer. Yeah. All right, that man. The only gay in the Hang village. on, yeah. that is my former MP in Reading. Okay, here's the MP in the town in which a terrorist came out and stabbed a bunch of gay men to death in Reading Central Park. He never said a word about those being gay men who were murdered. There's a plaque up in Reading. There's nothing about that. The investigation says nothing about it. They're in completely silent on the actual threat to anyone who is homosexual, which is Islamists stabbing you to death for being the wrong sexuality. And the gall of him to stand up there and saying, oh, now after three years, I feel less safe as a gay man. Yeah, it's because the Islamists in the town murdered people for being gay. Well, it has nothing he, to do with the mean words of Kemi. I, I, I thought I hated politicians enough. That is, that is <laughs> unbelievable. I'm sorry. Well, he's, to, no, no, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on he, He's the Labour MP for the Ronda now. Oh, great. Okay. Right, so I, looked at, I was looking at his thing, because that's why I was like, he's the only gay in the village. Because I didn't realise he was the Labour MP for Reading. I'm pretty right? sure that's the guy. Like, but he, 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 So he's moved. Ronda is a very white, Welsh, working class coal mining, ex-coal mining town. Very few immigrants there. Yeah. So he's not. I mean, let's, let's just assume I misplaced it just to be completely sure. But either way, like the thing that has made gay people less safe in the UK is people killing them. And the people killing them are not the British. Well, as, as Kemi points out, there was a dark joke around Tavistock saying that they were committing a gay genocide because they were. Do you not know about that? No. Yeah. So loads of the Tavistock clinicians <laughs> were saying, yeah, we know there's a bunch of gay kids here and there'll be no gay kids left in the UK by the time we're finished. Jesus. Yeah, that was okay. one of the main things that multiple clinicians brought up when they were a whistleblower because there was an overwhelming number of... The, the referral rate was something like 4,400 higher for young women and the majority of them... Well, not the majority, an outsized number of them had high, medium to high autistic traits, six other... Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm aware that... And they were lesbians. Yeah, so there's a staggering number. I think there was only... When, when they did the detransitioner conference, there was only one who was not lesbian or bisexual. Jesus. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a major thing. Now... I will critique the framing a little bit because when she does say, 
I'm doing all this thing for LGBT kids. It's yeah. like, okay, yeah. don't concede to the idea that this is some sort of satellite constituency. Yeah. Don't legitimize the idea of the T. Like, it, it, she it, definitely had him on the back foot. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Let, let her have the win. Yeah, there was a, there was a Labour... We can pick afterwards. I do have it wrong. They just look similar to me. But either oh, right. way, it is true. The one so thing, he is the only gay man. Yeah, but the, the thing that actually is making people less safe is not Kemi Badenoch. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, no, no. Just... it's Kemi Badenoch, mate. <sighs> well, it's, it's funny you say the only gay in the village. Douglas Murray replied to this tweet, and I think he, he did reference Little Britain. And he said, if he'd been born in Wales today, he'd be trans in no time. <laughs> like, <laughs> didn't he call him? I, I, you're a little bit butch, so... <laughs> Yeah, um, Kemi did have a moment of weakness because she responded to Dame Angela Eagle, who's a yeah. Labour. Um, she said, if existing trans people would have to act in public appearances in accordance with their biological sex, so she asked that to <coughs> Kemi, if, if gender recognition weren't passed. She said, it is not trans it is not trans people uh, who we're trying to limit. It is the predators who are using the loopholes and giving the trans community a bad name. And it's like, sure. Also, it's founded on a faulty premise that you just yeah, yeah, shouldn't yeah. concede to. It's it's annoying. And then on the same day, in the afternoon, uh, Labour MP, former Tory MP, Christian Wakeford, uh, he resurrected the conversion therapy ban conversation. So after that was kicked out of the, the King's speech, they decided to try and smuggle that in as a new private member's bill, as Danny Kruger had, had predicted. I'm just, I just find it remarkable that like some 55-year-old white man's like, I don't feel safe. I don't care. <laughs> like, I just don't care. Well, I know I really don't care. Like, but I'm get, I don't give a damn. Also, um, someone know? who's been to Tory party conference, you don't feel safe as a gay man because of the Conservative Party. <laughs> like, you do know their closing party is hosted by the LGBT Conservatives. Yeah. yeah. But, I have more problems with that than you do. But anyway. But even then, I just don't care. You know, shut up, old white man. Yeah. Um, you know, fortunately, it's got a fair amount of support. And also, just one last thing that I found on the way in this morning. Um, this has got a lot of support. 70 MPs and two other brave men as well have signed a letter, as well as some lords, to the FA, that's the Football Association for anyone that doesn't follow sport like me, uh, to prevent them from putting transgender identifying men, so men that yeah. compete against women in women's sports, because four... Common sense, yeah. Well, well, four other teams in the Sheffield and Hallamshire League have refused to play against uh, someone called Francesca Needham, oh, yeah. which is a, a trans-identifying, yeah. whatever way around it is, uh, because they cause an opponent a, a season-ending injury. Really? So yeah. they're now stuck on the sidelines. So there is a sort of broad coalition of conservative MPs that are aware that they're about to lose their seats if they don't do something sensible on migration and gender issues. Liz Truss, being annoyed by the front bench, is leading the charge on this, and I hope her bill goes through. So well done when politicians do something right for a change. Little video comments. And if the system we entrusted to ensure justice were not to act, we the people would. Now the corruption is at unprecedented and undeniable levels. And with that, the fear grows greater, so the measures to stamp out that fear becomes greater. Line go up, suppress the natives and bribe the useful idiots. Now where else do we see significant measures to cool their fears? It's with the military. Once a traditional and honorable institution, now turned into a farce. It is all from fear. I was just really distracted by the fact that AI still can't do hands. Yeah, but not wrong. Let's go to the next one. I have to agree with Dan that Subnautica is a great game. And if you like the first one, you may like the second one so, uh, below zero. It's kind of a mixed bag. Uh, in the same vein, I'd recommend The Forest and its sequel, Sons of the Forest. 
And I'd also recommend Control. It's by the same people who did Alan Wake before they kind of went wokeish. Uh, thanks and God bless. I mean, I don't, I don't have any time to play games anymore. And also, when I have, I just feel a crippling sense of stress that I'm not achieving something. But they're <laughs> making it a lot easier for me to not do so because it might, it might be me boomering this, but yeah. it does really feel that ten years ago games were just made better, like graphical fidelity. That's because they were. They didn't look as nice, but they were better But even then, they're they're kind of soulless. It's not just Uncanny Valley. It's not just Rush Development time. There's nothing special about each of the games, and they're just written like absolute crap, and they come out unfinished. There's a really, really, really high overemphasis on the characters and their movements to try and make them look real, but that makes them look Uncanny Valley. But that's just a massive sink of resources and time that nobody cares about, man. Like, just nobody cares if your character's skin has got like, you know, pores and bumps on it. Like I was playing the, well, I wasn't playing it, but I was looking at the Pharaoh Total War stuff and like the rendering of Ramesses or whatever. It's, oh yeah, it looks really realistic. I don't care. That's nothing to do with the game. However many millions of pounds that cost was a total waste. You should have just had like a stylized Civ 6 style rendering instead, right? Rather than trying to make it look hyper-realistic. It's a total waste of your time. Nobody cares, and that doesn't impact who buys it and who doesn't. Some of my favorite story games are deliberately non-realistic. Like yeah. the Telltale games, Life is Strange, they're, yeah. they're, they're actually hand-painted, or they look like a comic book, mm. and it, it adds to the story that you're telling. It doesn't, you don't need to have the acne of Abby from Last of yeah. Us 2. It, it really yeah. adds nothing to the story uh, or to the game, and it's okay to relax over the weekend. Um, let's get uh-huh. to the next one. Never underestimate your strength, fellas. A 150-pound bench press means you can move a fallen support beam. A 225-pound deadlift means you can drag another man to safety. And a 300-pound squat means you can almost lift and carry the average feminist. Making me feel lazy. Well done. How much would the audience pay for Lotus Eaters gym content if me and Harry forced Carl to go for a workout? I'm too lazy. <laughs> Let's go for the next one. I'm too old to bother. Is it? You said it so many times. It's almost. It's. I think. CraigCooper.com, isn't it? Yeah, something like this. CSCooper.au. Yes, 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 yeah. <laughs> By the way, I think all the Sophie simps. They're actually burn accounts that Sophie controls. Prove me wrong. Is this just Craig trying to eliminate all this competition? Quite possibly. Let's go to the next one. Oh, well timed. Sophie with her burner accounts. <laughs> <laughs> you guys do realize that I was basically making a, oh my God, I'm so ugly. Don't comment on my picture. I'm, I'm the ugliest ever. And you fell for it. You all fell for it. It's all right. I'm an attention whore. Women are attention whores. Um, hashtag yes, all women. Let's get to the next one. Queen of the Pygmies. So what the hell happened here? The curse came raining down from the sky. Bombs? Leaflets. Leaflets? 
The enemies dropped leaflets out of planes, full of gender studies, ideology and critical gender theory. Suddenly the women started getting all uppity, saying Pakistonia had to be dismantled and our society had to be smashed. Yeah, that will happen. We gave them the right to vote to try to appease them, but the first thing they voted for was for every man to be killed and every woman to be taken as sex slaves in some sort of bizarre, one-sided suicide pact. Why do you think it's only men who are fleeing? Of course. That's it. Come on, boys. We have to save England. <laughs> I'm excited to see what we do to save England, exactly. But I feel like I've uh, missed various chapters of this saga and need context. We Don't went to Pakistonia, and then we met with a contact, and then it's Miles. And Miles is telling us what happened to the place and why there are people coming to the UK on the little boats. Right. Why so, there are no women. Yeah. Because the women voted for The Handmaid's Tale. Basically, yes. Many such cases. Uh, well, the kind of reverse hand. Um, anyway, the Shadow Band sends us a three hundred dollar Rumble rant. So thank you so much. Uh, saying Merry Christmas, and Merry Christmas to you as well. Uh, Kevin, you could say more for three hundred. Well, yeah, you could have said whatever you want, mate. But uh, you <laughs> Sophie's phone number. <laughs> we can't give it to you. Yeah, but, yeah. I don't know. Kevin says, uh, "Well, Labour are trying to end the Corbyn anti-Semitism plague by holding a Jewish Labour movement event." As soon as they do, a Bristol University emeritus professor suggested somebody blow up the venue. Blimey. Yeah, I saw that. Did you not hear about that? No. Oh, yeah. There was an ex-professor from Bristol University who was like, yeah, someone should blow up the venue. And everyone was like, hmm, that does sound like something a Corbynista would say. It does sound like something <laughs> someone from Bristol would say as well. Yeah. Uh, she's had her emeritus and honorary status removed by the university. Is being investigated by the police. But here's the real kicker. She's an ex-Labour counsellor. Why am I not surprised? Yeah. The Crusader says, how immigration affects you personally? My small town used to be 11,000 people. Now it's closer to 30K. A little lane where I used to live may get, uh, maybe used to get a couple of dozen cars up and down it per day. Now it's 700 plus. They're building 8,000 new houses on the outskirts of the town, despite it's not having the infrastructure, especially roads, to support it. I rarely hear my own language spoken. We regularly have Eastern Europeans yelling and carrying on. You just hate brown people, bro. Uh, <laughs> carrying on, getting drunk and fighting. So Eastern Europeans aren't white. Though, so I mean, maybe that's true. Um, I basically don't recognize the place anymore and I hate it. Yeah, well, this is Mega City 1 that the conservatives are insistent on building, you know, by probably about 2080, every single human being on earth will live in a tower block in your town. So he did say homes though, not tower blocks. So maybe if Barrett Newbuild are taking care of that, he <laughs> might get a Dino expat community set up shop there. Too late for that. It sounds like uh, Mike says, I lived in Blackpool until I was 22. When I moved to Swindon, it was a massive culture shock. The sheer number of foreign people and foreign languages I see and hear walking through is nothing like I experienced out, outside of a city. Honestly, does not feel like it's English. It wasn't like this five years ago. I swear to God, it wasn't like this. So I'm thinking, do you reckon, if we're dealing with an actual progressive retard for talking about this issue, do you reckon it's a good idea to bring up Xinjiang? And just be like, yeah, so when they import hundreds of thousands of Chinese people in Xinjiang to ethnically replace the Uyghurs, like, do you think that's bad? Do you reckon we could get them to admit that's bad and then just be like, so... Yeah, but they won't extend the same consideration to us because of historical guilt and progressive stack. And he needs to it's, die. Yeah, it's, it's about hierarchy, not hypocrisy. I love that the Chinese Communist Party doesn't have historical guilt. Oh, that's amazing. It's I, like, no, they, no, no, no. Britain the Empire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the point. But from the progressive point of view, I'm like, well, they, 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 what did they do wrong? Sixth <laughs> genocide now? It's, you know? Yeah, it's the, the party that has committed multiple genocides. And the one continuous one against unborn females? But that's the, yeah. the thing I'm t exactly talking about. That lad there who's brought a place and his house value may still be 300k or whatever it is, right? But, but you know it doesn't feel like that. Yeah, that's not where you brought it. Yeah. You brought it to live in England. No, you don't. That's it. Okay. Yeah, it's, really, it's really terrible. But trust me, Swindon just was not like this just five years ago. Um, Matt says, 
The Rwanda plan is pure clown show containment. Yeah, it, it totally is. And that's why the conservatives are like, here's another 150 million of your money. It's like, what kill you? that could work though. Like, if you <laughs> actually had a competent government and just made an arrangement with some guy who's just like, here, take all our migrants. All right, bye. Some machete armed state. Yeah, like, I feel yeah. like the Chinese state could actually make an agreement with, I don't know, Kenya. And they would just send them loads of people they don't want, Uyghurs. Yeah. And then it would just be done. Yeah, yeah, maybe. It's just the UK government is this incompetent. Like, Utterly nothing, toothless. Even yeah. basic can be done properly. Why is Starmer saying legal migration has trebled on Sunak's watch? Uh, because it's true. As if migration is a stochastic force of nature that comes out of nowhere like a natural disaster and can only be prepared for. And you can literally just reject visas and deport people. It's not hard. No, well, to be fair, that's how the Tories talk about it. Starmer yeah, yeah. was attributing blame. He was. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I, in Starmer's defense here, Starmer was flanking from really the far right because he was literally blaming them for stamping the visas. He was saying legal migration as well, not just illegal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, which yeah. Is, I know. Rwanda only addresses the illegal. Yeah. He's saying migration's trebled on your watch. Yeah. So. Starmer is never going to be our guy, but at least yep. he said something that was good there. Uh, Grant says, you want a prediction that's going to come true? Starmer is either going to freeze migration or drop it by a trivial amount, and then when he's called out, he's going to point down, uh, to the growth rate under the previous government and say, look, we're not doing that. I think he'll drop it by a significant amount, but it'll be still like three or 400,000 net. I'm sure of it. There's 10 pounds in it. I know, and I'll happily take your 10 pounds <laughs> when I'm proven wrong. It'll be inflated to about 20p, though, by the time we get there. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be worth literally nothing. Uh, Ewan says, uh, the fact that in Folkestone, there are now signs telling you it's illegal to urinate and defecate on the ground is very showing what we have in this. Yeah, we're thinking about doing a thing on that. Because did you know, I think it's 1650 or something, is when we started to have a problem with people pissing in cities. Because really? people always had, get drunk, piss in the alley, right? Which is fine until you've got a proper city. And then the amount of piss is not only just <laughs> detrimental to the health, but actually started eroding the stone of several churches because people go behind the church to piss because yeah, yeah. it's nice and dark. Yeah. So they started installing these railings on the side of churches which you can still find in some areas of London which obviously if you piss on it just bounces back on you and it stopped it overnight and then that didn't really work that much and then we ended up using public toilets and then that was solved. Right. But now we still have the public toilets. You know a lot about this subject. Oh, I, I was going to do a video on it. Okay. It's interesting. But then we've got the public toilets and yet we still have the problem of public defecation. I mean, that is a proper way you can show civilizational decline. Did you it's hear like, about the New York problem there three years ago where they, there was an article where New York is basically drowning in bumpus? What's bumpus? As in like homeless bumpus. people urinating on the street. Everywhere. Oh, bumpus. Yeah. Right. So, so <laughs> not, not, in the, not in the location it comes from, Callum, but the people it comes from. Oh, so... I thought it was a product or something like that. There's bumpus yeah. everywhere. Yeah, no. So it's also eroding the stonework and it's just, there's just puddles of it. So there's one to add to your, yeah. to your video. Yeah. Ethelstan says, I truly cannot stand the upper middle class elite that meet the category of LARPing as individuals caring for the working class. They do not know any working class people, they do not speak to them, yet they think by reading The Guardian, written by the LARPers, they have their fingers on the pulse. So, just a quick thing here. I've been thinking about this in terms of um, classes, and there's the, the aristocracy actually find quite strong allies in the working class. Yep. The middle class hate the aristocracy and the working class, and so I think part of like the the Blairite sort of middle class jihad on the, the upper class in this country is importing a subclass with which to ally themselves against the working class as an attack on them through dispossession and allows them to attack the aristocracy for being racist, for opposing and wanting to protect one of their client groups. I think you might be right on that as well because one of the slogans that both Thatcher and Blair shared was the Mondeo man or the Essex man. They were trying to create aspiration for the working class to enter 
the middle, middle class. class. So with, yeah. yeah, erode the middle class, the, the working class. But they've accidentally created the apolitical Dino class who kind of instinctively lean on our side. So yeah, yeah. instead they've imported a client class to replace those guys instead. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And so they, they have to continue importing the client class because otherwise the middle class power collapses. It's just a thesis. Uh, Richard says, Dr. Wright Charlie, yet another useful idiot, spouting all the bullet points of the message to the politically unenlightened. These people could see how boring and crazy they sounded from a normal person's point of view. Perhaps they would develop a deep sense of shame and retreat from humanity and live in a cave. I doubt such a person has capacity for introspection. It is highly unlikely. She can't rotate an apple in her mind. She won't be able to <laughs> introspect. Yeah, that's great. That's a great standard, actually. It's like, yeah. But I can picture myself holding the apple. <laughs> Of course you can. Omar says, it's a bit rich for Rishi to demand Kier support his bill when given their track record. The Tories don't support their immigration plans. The Rwanda plan wasn't drawn up by Blair, um, otherwise they would have implemented it tenfold by now. Yeah, if only Blair had drawn up the Rwanda plan, problems would have been solved. God. Fuzzy Toaster says, no, you don't understand. They clearly identify as anti-cerebral. They clearly want to remove their own head. It would be intolerant to stop them. How I see it eventually going. Well, this, this is the thing. Like, I don't care what they want. Like, you know, you're 18, you're 16, whatever. You're not chopping parts of your body off. Yep. I don't care what you what you think. It should just be banned according to the Hippocratic Oath, no matter what age. But this is why you can't administer liposuction to anorexics without you losing your life. Screw the Hippocratic Oath. It should be banned because it's mental. Well, yeah, sure. Like, just on those grounds alone. Russia did. Yeah. Like Sorry, a few months bonk. ago. The, the Supreme Court just decided <clears throat> this, this is terrorism. Yeah. Because everything's terrorism <laughs> in Russia. So. And I don't think we need to call it terrorism. Oh, that's just their easy outlet. They declared Facebook terrorism because they just didn't like posts that were on there. To be fair. So if any, but so seriously, if anyone from Facebook, like a former employee or current one, goes to Russia, they're actually on the terrorism list. So, I mean, if you want to just easy out, you can just do that. We do now have like a series of transgender would-be and also successful mass shooters, though. That's true. So you would have the... BBLGBT. But I don't think it needs to be a mass shooting. I mean, genuinely, you're talking about those 500 kids in one year. Like the human beings who do that... Yeah. I mean, a mass shooter gets, what, like 20 people? Like going after 500 kids to, to ruin their lives forever. I mean, Sterilize them. I'm just saying, terrorism is not a terrible charge. Yeah, gender yeah. terrorism. I mean, I, you probably wouldn't get it in our legal system. but No, but like, so seriously, like there has to be some sort of charge for someone who ends up sterilizing 500 children. Oh, yeah, this is, this is part of the problem that I've raised to Chris. I was like, look, when we, when we end this legislatively, there really isn't sharing a civilization with these people. Like, as, as much as reading all the accounts in Tavistock are people like, oh my God, I, I was just sort of blindly going along with it and I didn't know what I was doing and I now regret. And it's like, no, you knew you were giving these things to kids. Yeah. The internal memo said, we don't know the full risks, but here are a bunch of the risks, including never being able to have children. But you knew you were doing that. Sorry, I don't, I don't really buy your guilt. You're going to yeah. have to suffer for that, I'm afraid. George says, reminded that the gender criticals are still man-hating feminists. In their rhetoric, they cry about protecting women and girls. They don't particularly care if boys are sterilized. As long as the Frankenstein monster was attacking the right. So if, as long as the Frankenstein's monster was attacking the right sex, they had nothing to say about the tease and even encouraged it. Uh, That's true. Not, well, not really. Um, I don't know. No, because actually, to be fair, the Tavistock whistleblowers, or the people, the people that are saying it were doing it for both sexes. It's just that this became a more salient issue because the... Yeah. The population that was going in flipped and went up by a sizable degree because of the social contagion. And this is also, I just think this is a this is this is more directed at the commenters' personal frustration with women than it is with these people. No, I think it's genuinely personal frustration with feminists. Um, I think it's being conflated. Here. No, I don't think so because <clears throat> he he is he is right that the feminists didn't give a damn when yeah. when boys were being perverted by porn into becoming gay. 
Well, uh, trans or whatever. To be fair, these ones did. Femboys, whatever. Right? These specific ones. Yeah, okay, did. but most did not, right? The, the gender-critical feminist movement really said very little about it, right? Um, it's only when... No, no, it's only, it really is. And I've seen the rhetoric over and over. Oh, they're, they're transitioning young girls who are lesbians. But they don't care about the boys. And okay, fine. I'm not going to like be like, oh, you have to. But that is a true thing. These are the same people that have been banging on about the Wachowski sisters and Andrea Longchu and things like that in their books. Like to, you're, you're off the mark on terms of them not caring about the boys. I don't know. I, from what I've seen from the gender critical feminist movement, I don't see them caring about boys. But I'm not going to demand that they do. I'm not going to demand they do. You know. But I, I do think he is right. They don't. <laughs> um, Rue the Day says, there is no chemical or physical damage one could do to one's eyes that would blind one more thoroughly than mental retardation. Uh, that's true. Sophie says, look, when I go to England, yes, people look at me and they won't be able to tell if I'm English or not. And the second I open my mouth and speak a word, they know. It's not that hard. Yes. Anyway, I think we'll leave it there. So if you want more from us, go sign up on the website. There's going to be more content at the weekend, obviously. And we will be back on Monday. So have a great weekend, folks. <laughs>